The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. Now, you will unda- undoubtedly be aware that the Notre Dame Navy game is on in the Aviva today in Dublin, and there are buckets of American college football fans who have come over to see it. With us is Siobhan McManamy, who is Tourism Ireland's interim CEO. Siobhan, the scale of this, how many Americans have we got over for it? So there's just about 40,000 Americans coming over. So it it is the largest single movement of Americans ever to a sporting event overseas. Um, So not just to Ireland. This never before have so many Americans gone anywhere for a sporting event. For a single sporting event, yeah. It's um it, it's a, it's a, and I think the best thing about it is it's not just about Dublin. It's not just a few days in Dublin for the game. They're staying on average seven or eight nights. They're travelling around the country, um, and there's a real impact throughout the Isle of Ireland, really from from the game. But I think it's apparent on the streets. Anyone who's been Dublin the last two days, you know, they're just everywhere having a great time. The the proportion of baseball caps has increased significantly in the last couple of days. But the average stay is seven to eight days. That's how long they're going to stay for. Yeah. So they, so when these last two teams last played in 2012, there's all these stories about how um, golf pro shops sold out of golf, golf shirts and golf Joe Jumpers, how the top shelves of the whiskey went and it's just as a huge economic impact. We think about 147 million will be the economic impact uh, from the game. Now, explain the economic in- impact, because obviously we have, I think our, our sign- most significant tourism market is uh, Britain and then we have the rest of Europe and then the US is down the pecking order a little. But if I have it right, what's significant about the US is when they come, they really bring their wallets. They do, yes. We had 1.7 million um, US visitors in 2019. It's the last year we, we full stats for and they spent 1.6 billion um, euro. So you know, their average spend is really high um, and it is it is that they travel as well. That's their, their real value is that, is that they, they they travel throughout. They come for seven nights and and just spend. And, and I think particularly the groups travelling for um, this week, um, it is just a real about reconnection and back with their guys went to college with and there's a lot of families travelling. Um, so it's a big And does, does the Notre Dame Navy game give us access to a tourist that we otherwise mightn't get? Because presumably it casts the net beyond the diaspora. Yeah. So increasingly, you know, about 75% of our US visitors now have no connection to Ireland. And while Notre Dame is a college with a very rich Irish tradition for the six founders of it were Irish, um, it it does bring you to a new market um, altogether. And I think this is the, there's five games in this series. So next year we welcome Georgia Tech and Florida State, who would have no natural US connection. We're expecting 30,000 visitors for that. And in terms of the um, monetization of it, does anything have to be done in, in, in relation to the tourism offering or is it simply they just take the hotel rooms that are there at a time of the year when tourism, tourism I assume, is beginning to wane slightly as we get out of the summer? Yeah, so it, it is. It, and you, you have plenty of time to plan for it. I think that's the other thing is that this game was announced a few years ago. So people have plenty of time to plan for it, which, which is brilliant. But um, increasingly, American visitors tend to travel throughout September. But it is a great boost for businesses, you know, after a summer. And then that kind of, you know, lines the coffers for, for a winter. Well, Avery McGivney is with us as well. She's Director of Public and International Affairs at the Dumber, Dublin Chamber of Commerce. 147 million quid on the way, apparently, uh, Avery. Who do you think of your members will benefit most? Well, the, the, from our own surveys where we look at sporting events, the money goes into the restaurants, it goes into the bars, it goes into the hotels, it goes into the, the attractions, which are the drivers of well of, of people coming. It's what they do is, is, is one, of the, one of the things that's really, really good for, for visiting Dublin. There's lots of cultural attractions and then there's the kind of traditional ones like the Guinness Storehouse and things like that. So there's lots to do and see. 
And, you know, compared so I really want to congratulate Tourism Ireland for and Aer Lingus, I think, for, for, for organising this and for all the participants because, um, you know, it's outside money coming into Ireland. When you and I go to Dingle on holidays, I just come back from Dingle, that's Irish money circulating around in the Irish economy. But getting that many tourists in on the shoulders of the season is really a great achievement and a great branding opportunity. And, um, and actually shows the importance, which is maybe a debate for another day, about connectivity, air connectivity, so that you can get 40,000 people here, you know, and, 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 and the importance of having those air, air relations, if you like, with the US. And Avrik, have you, one of the things that has been in the, in the news a lot this week has been the quality and welcome that's available in the centre of Dublin City and the relative level of, of safety and, and um how threatened people might feel in the centre of the city. Have you any concerns about what these 40,000 Americans arriving in are going to be seeing? No, <laughs> in short. Uh, we, we have a survey, which we did with Tourism Ireland going back to 2019. The top reasons uh, the US, the comments that US citizens give about Ireland is it's a beautiful city with great experiences and they do consider it safe. Um, and I think we know that for feature events like this, the police and others put on it and Dublin City Council make sure everything is, is in good order. I think my concern is more, and there is an issue to be addressed here, is, is, is when, you know, these major events aren't around and we've seen some measures by government and by the Gardaí to kind of uh, have greater Garda presence on the streets. It's, it's kind of a softer issue. There's a lot of focus on, on, on serious crime and, and the Garda statistics will show you that crime is actually down year on year. But it's the softer issue of this feeling of unsafeness that comes when, um, partly because a lot of us are working more remotely, more hybridly, so there's less people around to monitor things. So there is a there is a wider issue, but not for today. Today, um, I'm I'm very hopeful and touch wood and all that that um, uh, that a lot of practice and pre- preparation has been put into place to make sure that everyone's smooth. Averick, thanks very much. That's Averick McGibney, Director of Public and International Affairs at the Dublin Chamber of Commerce. And Averick was uh, heaping praise there on Aer Lingus for their role in all of this. Donald Moriarty, Chief Corporate Affairs Officer at Aer Lingus is with us. Donald, if you are largely responsible, or at least played a large part in shipping 40,000 Americans over here, ye must be making a fortune. Well, I mean, we're delighted with our role in, in this event as, as title sponsors. And certainly, I think all of our services have been have been uh, used by the 40,000 traveling fans. Uh, we, we travel to 16 destinations in North America. And uh, safe to say over the last week, 10 days, I think there have been Notre Dame and Navy fans on all of those services. So that's a good thing. We're also, we also transported the teams, uh, the delegations, cheerleaders, bands, uh, uh, directly from South Bend, Indiana, from Notre Dame and from Chicago O'Hare and from Washington. So, yeah, we've we've been busy and delighted to be so uh, for the event. And from your perspective, Donald, is the, is the advantage the extra bums on seats that you get for the game itself or do you see it as a marketing exercise for the airline? It's certainly a marketing exercise in significant part, Anton. Um, you know, where we're situated geographically in Dublin and Ireland, it's a natural gateway to Europe. You can fly not only to Ireland, but you connect, can connect onwards to Europe. So as I mentioned, 16 destinations to North America this year, 18 next year. And, you know, we want to get in front as many of as many Americans as we can. We want them to know who we are and what we do. And this game is being broadcast on NBC Live. It's um, kickoff at 7.30 Irish time. That's 2.30 Eastern. So we'd expect to be uh, in front of 4 million viewers for a, for a three and a half, four hour period. 
um, this evening. So that's uh, that's a significant value. And as Siobhan said, uh, we're, we're trying to, uh, you know, expand our, our brand presence in the United States and the college football is a very effective way of doing that. Donald, thanks for your time this morning. That's Donald Moriarty, who's Chief Corporate Affairs Officer at Aer Lingus. Avery McGibney was before him. He's Director of Public and International Affairs at Dublin Chamber of Commerce and Siobhan McMenemy as well, Tourism Ireland Interim CEO. And I'm still stunned by that fact that it is the largest movement of Americans overseas to a sporting event in history. We should, of course, look at the actual sport bit of this itself. So I'm joined by Off the Ball's Jer Gilroy. Um, before we look at Notre Dame and Navy themselves, uh, college football may not be as well understood here as uh, NFL. So I thought it might be worth going into a little bit of the, the, the detail around it, particularly the huge money around it. Yeah, it's almost the same size as the NFL, except more spread out and way more teams. Um, it, used, it used to be a good shorthand to kind of compare it to GA, except obviously massively ramped up with a military industrial complex behind it uh, in that there's a real loyalty that people have to their college team in a way that seems very alien to us but I suspect because it's so hard to get into certain colleges and you spend so much money and you spend your life paying off the debt and uh, you know and and the the colleges aren't um, just based around what courses you want to do it's kind of an expression of identity in a way so there are Catholic universities and there are Protestant universities and there are Jewish universities and there are specific types of things that you have volunteered to so in a way that the big um, industrial American cities don't seem to have a, a fan base that is as rabid as some of these college teams. And maybe it's because they all have great experiences where they go to these incredible stadiums or 80,000 capacity. The stadiums are phenomenal. 106,000 capacity in some places. For a college. And frequently no roof. So you're there in all sorts of weather conditions. If you're in the, in the deep south, you're like completely sunburnt. If you're um, in... The, around the lakes or even Notre Dame, it's absolutely freezing. And so, you know, everybody... The other thing is that they really do the whole experience of going to a college football game properly. So everybody will see marching bands uh, right right around the country, I think, at the moment. And that's a, a, that's a huge part of it. But the other part of it is that they go tailgating, which is basically going and having drinks with your mates. And so, you know, relationships are formed. People tell truths that maybe they wouldn't do without the few drinks. And the football happens kind of almost incidentally in the background. Well, this is the thing with American sports, whether it's baseball or football, they have the wonderful capacity to turn a game into a five-hour endeavour that takes up the rest of your day. <laughs> and the food is sensational. Like, there's huge amounts of effort go into it. So when you think about it, you'd have four or six home games a year. So you plan to meet different groups of friends or the same groups of friends for those four or six. They don't go to away matches is the other thing. So it's always home crowds. And the atmosphere in it is, is really, truly amazing. Um, and then you've got loads of different leagues. So we could be here all day, but like, and those leagues are going through a, quite a period of change at the moment. But the TV deals for the leagues combined would probably equal what the NFL is or some sometimes I'd strip them. But individually, you would have teams and that are generating hundreds of millions for the college and for the programme every year. So the you can see why... The investment in them is huge. I, I think there was a stat about um, the busiest day in New Orleans uh, airport history was one time when LSU were playing one of the other big rivals because of all the private jets that were coming in too. So the boosters were paying people under the counter. That was the other parallel with GAA where everybody's amateur but they're not. Now you're actually legally allowed to pay these players and that's been a big uh, transformation in recent years. Um, and ultimately it's just like a, a hundred college students would be part of the team uh, some of them will be walk on, but most of them will be scholarship students. So it's a change to a chance to change people's lives by letting them get 
tier one education in a completely unjust American education system. And it has to be said that the quality of the football and the elitism of the athletes, like this is not I'm a college student and I play a bit of football on the side. This is as professional as professional sports get. These kids have been recruited from the time that they were 12 and uh, certainly some of the, the middle class and rich kids would have had private coaches coaching them from the time they were 12 to try and get them to certain elite colleges. And and it is definitely the funnel for the NFL. If you're really, really good, you get to go to the NFL and then you, you get to make your tens, if not hundreds of millions over the course of your career. But loads of them, it's actually just the benefit of getting the education and the network that you have from it. Um, you can be a really successful student athlete now and never make it to the NFL. And it, in some ways, it doesn't matter anymore because you have the the network and you've been a superstar at this level. Um, it's hard to explain just how into it the, the fans are. It's like a really remarkable thing. Um, and that's the bit that I think there are parallels with GA. People are absolutely go ballistic for their county or their club in a way that, you know, the San Francisco fans in, in, in San Francisco are, they're 49ers fans, but actually the team moved the stadium. No college has ever moved in the stadium. You went to that college, your kids go to that college, you met your family there, your grandkids are going to go there. Somebody had to write you a letter to get you in in the first place. So you're you're bound to them in a way that like you can go and live in Boston and support the Patriots. Exactly, the Raiders can head off to Oakland exactly. and LA is left exactly. one arm as long as the other. So in amongst the um, pantheon of college football teams, how do Notre Dame and Navy rate and what can we expect of the game? I think Navy is kind of one of those... Uh, storied old teams that used to be really good and important at the foundation of the sports. Uh, and I think traditionally now, because they don't have access to the same facility to give out scholarships willy-nilly, you have to, I think, have applied to go to Annapolis to be a midshipman to qualify. So they don't, they can't just grandfather you in. There are some people who are grandfathered in, but mostly you have to want to be a member of the Naval Academy. And in other colleges... They are a little bit flimsy when it comes to your qualifying. If you're an uh, incredible athlete and uh, you're going to be Have able a to... pulse. Exactly. <laughs> and you're going to be able to um, show up to some classes. We're going to make sure that you get through, you know, whatever the credits you need to, to uh, graduate. Or in many cases, you don't even need to graduate. You just need to still be a member of the program. Uh, Notre Dame are such a unique thing that it's very, even more difficult. Imagine... You're so powerful as a team that you don't have to join any league and you get to pick who you play against. That's basically what Notre Dame have. They pick Navy because it's a, a traditional rivalry, but they're not a member of the the Big Ten or any of those leagues because they're, they have their own TV rights deal. And the thing is, they need to make their, their schedule so difficult to qualify for the national championships. So they always play good teams, but not so difficult that they're going to have losing seasons. Um, so it's almost like boxing. You can pick journeymen as long as you have a good fight every now and then. Well, uh, for Notre Dame it is, yeah. And um, that's a, a good way of thinking about it. I think that I, I, in the long run, maybe they would prefer to be part of a, a bigger league just to guarantee what's happening now because there's a massive, as I said, disruption happening where the best teams are banding together and they could end up being in a Super League. But every Super League would want them to be in it. They're kind of like, a, they would have the pulling power of a Real Madrid but again, it's like a Catholic university, you know, uh, on the edge of a lake in a kind of quite cold, windswept part of America at times. So it's difficult to convince some of the best young Texan kids to to come there. Uh, see, I would expect them to win fairly straightforward. I don't know what the current crop is like, but they've certainly had a slew of players come through over the years to the NFL. So they're a good breeding ground if you want to go there. But the midshipmen have been to the Maryland base and they marked three or four times a day. So it's like a proper, um, you know, 
uh, I, I expect Camden Street to be lit over the weekend. <laughs> but relatively well behaved if this is our all yeah. former naval officers. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, certainly in uniform. So if, if uniform's your thing. What's the spread? Do we know? Actually, I didn't check it. I didn't check it. I suspect it's double digits anyway, at least. Jer, thank you very much. That is Jer Gilroy from Off the Ball. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at 9 on News Talk.